We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome back to another Buzz Beat. This is Richie, and as always, we appreciate those five star ratings, five star reviews on Apple Podcast. We love any retweets on social media. If you don't have social media, just go tell a friend. Go tell a friend about our podcast. I think we do a good job of covering the Hornets the best way that we know how in a measured, a smart way, even throw in some comedic laughs here and there, try to keep it witty and, and light at times. So appreciate all the support this season, even though this season has not been the greatest. We're trying to push out the content, trying to keep this thing going uh, until the off season, where many of you guys are looking forward to turning the page. But still games going on. Before I bring on Brian for a conversation about the extension with Nick Richards, let me just do a quick quick, quick rundown of last night's game against the Dallas Mavericks, a game in which the Hornets won 117-109, pushing their record to 24-51 and overall. Strange game, a game in which the Hornets did lead by 21 points. And the end of the third quarter, the Dallas Mavericks made a run. Charlotte did a good job overall just limiting the turnovers, fighting off those runs that Dallas had. They had another run late in the game in the fourth quarter, and they won the three-point battle going 11 of 28 from behind the arc compared to just Dallas's 9 of 36. We actually got the news that Mark Williams returned for the game, and he played. This was after six games off with a thumb injury. DSJ was also available and played. He had some clutch shots down the stretch. He was potentially going to miss the game with an illness. And then nothing new from the other players on the injury report. You got LaMelo Ball out for the season with an ankle injury. You got Cody Martin out with a knee injury. Tara Rozier was unavailable with a foot injury. And Kelly Oubre as well was on the sidelines with a shoulder injury. So they had to bring up Teo Maladon. They had to bring up James Booknight, who actually played a little bit in the first half, which was interesting to see. And Svi Mihailuk had his first career start for Charlotte. And even he even got a guts of a cat burglar from Eric Collins for a corner three late in the game. And as I mentioned, the Hornets 
had a sizable lead in this game. I, I wouldn't say that they were like in control of the game. It just felt like Dallas couldn't get things going. And Dallas, to me, they just don't seem like a team, even though they're desperate for playoff positioning, they don't seem like a team that would scare me at all in the playoffs. Kyrie Irving, Luka, in theory, it feels like it would work out better than it really is, but they're a team that just hasn't gelled, and they're undersized, and Hornets took advantage of that. So Nick Richards, which we will talk about here soon with his extension, he had a very good game, good two-man game with Dennis Smith Jr., good cutting, good pick and roll. He's always going to put pressure on opposing defenses to box out because he's trying his hardest to get that offensive rebound. In 26 minutes tonight for Nick Richards, he finished with 10 points, 11 rebounds. All of those happened to be on the defensive side, and he was 5 of 9 from the field. I thought DSJ, he was very attack-minded. And his shot just overall this season is not something that you would write home about. But he hit two three-pointers in the fourth quarter. One of them was the one that put the Hornets up with 13 seconds remaining. And actually, that was the last bucket of the game to put Charlotte up 8, 117-109. That was the final score. So it's good to see him come back to Dallas and make the most of his opportunity. He's a guy that continues to put pressure on the rim. And in terms of his shot, like I feel more comfortable with him shooting a pull-up mid-range shot than I do a catch-and-shoot standstill three-pointer. But he made a couple of timely ones in that fourth quarter. P.J. Washington, also hometown kid. Uh, he, he was not born in Dallas, but he did move to Texas in high school, played AAU there as well. Very good outing for him. He just felt very comfortable with the ball in his hands. His three-point shot wasn't falling um, over the course of the game, only shooting two of eight, but he finished 11 of 22 uh, from the field with nine of 14 in two-point range. He filled up the stat sheet. He had six rebounds, three assists, two steals, and one block. He was doing it all. He also hit some timely shots, hit some off-foot floaters. It just felt like he was very under control in this game. And then the other player that rivaled him for the production was Gordon Hayward and he's always under control smooth game in the mid-range where he finds his shot when he needs to or he feels like he needs to if the Hornets are struggling to find a basket he's going to do that he converted on a couple of uh step back sidesteps he loves to stop on a dime and do that spin back to where he creates a lot of space and fades away He's just also a, a heady player and makes backdoor cuts. Uh, DSJ had a backdoor find for him, driving his direction. That's just basketball 101. If someone drives your way, you cut backdoor because your man is going to be so preoccupied with the driver. And then when he needs to, he finds himself as a distributor as well. He finished with nine assists, which was a, well, I guess tied for the team high with DSJ. Very nice pass off of a curl in the first half to a cutting Nick Richards on the opposite dunker spot. It felt like it was a pass that not many people can make just because of the way that Hayward was driving one way and at the last second threw it over his shoulder to Nick Richards. He also had a late 
clock driving alley-oop to Mark Williams. Par for the course with Gordon Hayward. And one player that did not go unnoticed for me was JT Thor. This was one of his better games. I think it was a career high for him in terms of points scored, 12 points, 4 of 8 from the field. He just seemed more fluid, more sure of himself. And obviously the defensive presence is always there, but he nails two three-pointers in the first quarter, which extended a streak of seven straight games with a made three-pointer. He nails a baseline jumper in the second quarter, a pull-up shot in the fourth quarter when the game was in the balance. So it's about the fluidity. It's about being more aware of where he needs to be and just being more sure of himself. So don't want to not talk about all the player performances without mentioning his name. And to be honest, guys, I, that's really all I got for this game. There's not much to talk about at this point in the season. Thank you for sticking with me on this just relatively meaningless game for the Charlotte Hornets. It's crazy to think that there are only seven games left and the season is winding down. But the Hornets will play these Mavericks again, um, this time in Charlotte, which was interesting. They've never, they had not played the Mavericks up until this point of the season, was the only NBA team that they hadn't played yet. So they'll play them twice in a matter of 48 hours. So that's all I've got. And uh, that's enough about this game. Let's go ahead and bring on Brian. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. All right. Now joined by Brian here to discuss some newsy stuff for the Charlotte Hornets, some positive news. I guess most people probably view it in that light. Before we dig too deep, Brian, I'm, I'm sure you're enjoying the uh, March Madness that's been going on. Um, it's been a very odd tournament with a lot of, uh, I guess, upsets, if you want to call it that. It just feels like, a, and again, I'm not a college basketball guy, but it feels like a watered down year. Yeah, I I kind of feel the same way. I mean, I think the tournament has been really fun so far. But yeah, I think compared to last season, 
maybe maybe it was because of the sizzle of you know a really good Duke team and the Duke UNC matchup and a good Kansas team. So you had these like awesome blue blood programs in the Final Four. You had lots of NBA talent. Um, I do think having you know the you know one two three picks you know Bancaro Holmgren and um, and certainly Jabari Smith on you know high seated teams probably added some intrigue to it. And uh, you know you know no Victor Wembanyama, no Scoot Henderson, the Thompson twins they're not in it. So I do think that, um, you know, maybe that's taken away some of it, but I still think it's been a fun tournament. And uh, depending on how things shake out, we could still have like a really good uh, final four as well. So, um, you know, fingers crossed for that. But uh, but yeah, I've been enjoying You took in some games, Richie, uh, in Greensboro, right? No, that was Lee. That was Lee. Oh, okay. You're crazy. <laughs> yeah, I guess I wasn't paying much attention. Uh, like I was only paying half attention to some messages that were getting uh, sent around during the opening weekend of the tournament. But um, yeah, he got to see Kansas State play, which uh, was a was a you know it's been a fun team to monitor thus far. Yeah, and uh, I think I think that's I think I started talking about the point guard from Kansas State, and that's when Lee ran with it and said that he was actually yeah. All right, so let's get into this news of uh, Nick Richards here getting that multi-year extension. I think it kind of came a little bit of a, a surprising time. There's a couple of reasons why it could be surprising to most, but they did extend Nick Richards for three more seasons after this one, obviously for a total of $15 million. So on average, $5 million per season. I think the timing of this was interesting because he was going to be a unrestricted free agent this offseason and Charlotte decided, hey, we're not going to compete with other teams. We're going to lock them up. And obviously Nick Richards too, like he did not want to necessarily test the market. Maybe he thought 15 million was good value for him. And I think from my perspective, 15 million is, is very reasonable for the type of player that he is. But I, I thought was what was interesting for Charlotte's perspective in terms of the timing. First off, they didn't wait, obviously, for a free agency to do this. And then maybe they just wanted to make sure that they did secure his services. But what happens if the lottery comes about and Charlotte looks into the first overall pick? And I, I know that Wimanyama is a completely different type of player than Nick Richards. But now you have Nick Richards on a roster uh, where he is now probably slated to be the third center. But... You could have the same. You could have the same conversation starting this season, where most people probably thought Mark Williams was going to overtake Richards at an earlier point, but he did not. So, I, I think the story is great. I think it's it's awesome to have a second round pick become a second contract player here in Charlotte. I can't remember what what pick he was over, like in the forties somewhere. But yeah, that's that's kind of my initial gut instinct. I thought the timing was interesting. I thought Charlotte not waiting to the lottery. Again, maybe make an adjustment. But again, if you get if you get Wimby on this roster, having a third center on this team making five million is not really going to make that much of a difference anyway. Yeah, no, uh, agreed. Yeah, he was the forty second pick in twenty twenty, and that was uh, Mitch Kupchak traded back into the second round uh, to 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 draft Nick Richards. So Charlotte saw something in him, and um, you know it took a little bit of time, but. Uh, it paid off and he's the guy that clearly like sent from the jump. Cause they took Vernon Carey jr. In the second round that year as well, a center out of Duke carries the guy that 
I actually liked more as a prospect and still think he has a chance to eventually kind of have a similar sort of jump. Remember, he is um, a little younger than Richards as well. But, you know, very early on, Richards established himself as being higher in the organizational hierarchy than Vernon Carey Jr. And that, um, you know, and then obviously, like as the roster changed over, Vernon Carey Jr. is shipped out in the Montrose Herald deal late last season. And then, you know, the opportunity was there for Nick Richards with Mark Williams not being quite ready to go, I suppose, at the start of the season with a with a veteran coach. Um, and the word out of training camp was that Richards was playing really, really well. And that wasn't just noise. Like, he, he came out of the gate playing great basketball and was probably one of the better stories around the team the first third of the season. Like, as, as things were starting to unravel before they had, like, completely come untethered, and you know, it's the second time in his career he's made a really big jump in terms of player development. He had something happen during his his time at Kentucky, where before his junior year, he all of a sudden emerged as a as a big time. You know, one of the, went from being a rotation player in the SEC to being one of the best big guys in college basketball, one of the best true centers in college basketball, and uh, you know, a star for for that Kentucky team along with uh, uh, Tyrese Maxey. So anyways, uh, as far as Richards goes, just like a huge congratulations to him. This is life-changing money. $15 million over three years is uh, is a lot of cash, but it's also what seems to be like a very reasonable contract for the team to get a, a solid, you know, B, B-plus backup center uh, who's young, who's improving. That can also spot start for you, you know? is a really, really nice piece to add. And Richards just offers this discrete set of skills here where um, that are valuable at the center position. He's not like an explosive leaper, but certainly he's a guy that can play above the rim and catch a lob. He's a big-time rebounder. He's a hard screen center, sometimes to, to his own detriment. Uh, Richie, I, I know you and I have talked about this, just the amount of offensive fouls, especially early in the season that he was getting whistled for. And then, you know, like he had an interesting, probably about midway, two thirds of the way through the season. It was interesting because he got hurt. Um, Plumlee was likely getting ready to get moved at the deadline. Mark Williams started taking on a bigger role. And there was just no, there were no more minutes for Richards. And, uh, you know, he hung in there. He, he rode that out. When Plumlee was dealt, he gets bumped back into the rotation. And then with Williams hurt, he's, he's starting again and, and playing quite well for a defense that is is playing uh and i know sometimes you got to be a little you got to take sometimes take these post all-star break march april nba statistics with like a bit of a grain of salt but like the hornets are playing better defensively richards is helping them out there uh second straight season above five percent block rate so he's giving you some rim protection he's giving you some mobility guarding pick and roll and certainly giving you some impact on the glass on both sides of the court so yeah, I thought it was a nice deal for for both player and for team. And Richie, even if they get Wembenyama, like these are these are obviously are very good problems to have, right? To have you know too many good young players, even if it does create a bit of a positional logjam, because this salary with Richard strikes me as one that would be very easy to move for a guy that would be able to you could copy and paste onto a lot of teams as a backup five or a again a sort of like spot starter rotation player, but just you got to give Lee on this podcast credit because Lee was always, I think, a step or two 
higher on Richards than you and I were, Richie and Spencer. Well, I had no thoughts on Richards coming out of Kentucky, but yes. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I mean, well, I mean, like coming into this past right. season after two, you know, after two NBA seasons and summer league and G League play, like all this, you know, we had more information on him by that point, yeah. and um, you know, I, I was, I didn't think he was, uh, you know, a sub NBA player or anything like that. I didn't. I just thought he was backup centered. You know, I thought he was like centered, de- sort of deep depth. You know, like your third center. Um, the fifth or sixth uh, big guy on a roster and a player like that is someone that's going to bounce around a lot. That's going to maybe be in and out of the league at times. And instead for him to jump up to this, to become a guy that can be uh, or like a, a backup five, that means you're a rotation player. That means you're in an eight, nine, 10 man rotation. That means you have a little bit more stability. That means you have a little bit more league wide value. And so it's a huge testament to Richards, to the coaching staff, to whomever helped push him on this development. And um, and look, if they don't get uh, you know the number one pick in Victor Wembanyama, who by the way is someone who has said he wants to play four in the NBA. I mean, we'll see oh. how that shakes out. Um, again, we'll see how that shakes out. But um, you know, maybe you could actually have some ecosystem with all with all of these you know giants on the same roster. But if they don't get Wembanyama, in the center rotation is Williams and Richards going forward. I think that is uh that's nice. Like I think that's a real that's a really nice center pairing to have um, you know, with LaMelo Ball into the future. Yeah, I want to talk about that in a second here, but like yes, Lee has been the highest on Nick Richards, but I've always seen the value in what he could bring. And I, I'm like you. I, I thought that he would be a guy that would just be further down the bench and to see his role change coming in as a rookie and playing minimal minutes. And then last year he had some spot starts here and there, and he started to pick up his minutes. And now he's playing, I think close to 20 minutes per game. And you're right. The skills that he does bring, it's, it's very consistent on an every night basis. He's a screen setter. He's a very good pick and roll big. He gives LaMelo or whatever point guard he is playing with a radius to catch the ball. Obviously, he's not necessarily the lob threat. Uh, he can get, you know, alley-oops here and there. He is amazing on the offensive glass. He is a guy that can also finish through contact very, very well. I put out something on Twitter the other day where he had a team high in offensive rebounding percentage. He also had a team high in shooting foul draw rate at 25 and a half. And then he's third on the team with and ones as well. So just finishing through that that contact. And defensively, you mentioned it. He's also a rim protector on the back end. He can intimidate players as they get closer to the rim. So when I think about him and Mark Williams, I also put this out on Twitter the other day. I, I almost feel like if if Richards never got injured, I'm not sure how many minutes Mark would have played this year in terms of kind of ramping that up. But in terms of their play style, I feel like they have a lot of similarities, and I don't know if the redundancy is is a bad thing or a good thing. I think having continuity within the roster is pretty cool, but I think having a change of pace from going from Mark Williams to Nick Richards, if, if Wimby obviously is, we don't luck into him. What do you think about that in terms of just having a similar role and a similar play style 
with those centers. I think maybe if you have it with a wing, it's a little bit different because they're more interchangeable. But with mm-hmm. Richards and Mark Williams, you know what you're getting with both of them, and it's very, very similar. Yeah, I think it I think it depends on almost which side of the floor you're talking about, which is why it's an interesting uh hypothetical. I think it's I think first off, I think it I mean it I think it is situation I think both of these things are like situational and context is important, obviously. So like you know, sort of putting that stuff to the side. Having two centers that you can guard, pick, and roll the same way, right? That you can you can, you know, drop with both of those guys is going to be your base defense. But you can also, because of their mobility and length, you can do some stuff. Like you can, obviously, with Williams, you can switch out some. You can bring them up to the level. Um, but just, I think it's nice having two guys that your base defense can be the same at that at that anchoring center position. So that's where I think it's like a real real asset. And again, because Williams offers some scheme versatility, you're not defenses aren't just seeing the exact same team every time at saying same coverage every single time down the court. But again, you can be consistent over 48 minutes with your with your center rotation in terms of like, again, what your base defense is offensively. It's like you'd like to have one of those guys that could stretch a little bit. I think I think I I think just looking at the way the NBA is set up now, it's really nice if at least one of your two centers um, can give you some, you know, some pick and pop, some floor spacing, just given, you know, some other constraints of the roster and some things you may want to do against second units and close games out and blah, blah, blah. Um, assuming PJ Washington is a part of the picture going forward, I think he helps smooth some of that a little bit because, you know, your power, your main power forward is going to be a guy that can shoot, right? And is like a versatile three point shooter from all. All regions of the of the beyond the arc and can shoot off movement, can shoot off pick and pops, and because he can play some small ball center for you, like situationally, you can still get to some five out looks. I think it has the ability to be a strength for you defensively. Offensively, I think I'd like maybe a little bit more variety, but the fact that like the, where they overlap skill set wise is offensive rebounds and screen and dive. Mm. I think that's like a nice area to have some overlap because both guys you can you're gonna have a pressure point on the rim in the pick and roll game, uh, no matter who's playing center for you, whether it's Richards or uh, or Williams. What do you think, Richie? You brought up some good points. Uh, I, I do think having some stretchability, if that's a word, <laughs> out of the center could be a good <laughs> thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who gets there first. I mean, I, I really don't know who gets there first. I do think playmaking too out of the pick and roll probably leans Mark Williams. But again, it's yeah. just very minimal. So yeah, I just thought the redundancy was something that I noted, and it just—I don't know if I like it a lot. But again, this is this move is such a low, yeah, like it's a low risk move to me. Like totally, e- yeah. even yeah. if it doesn't work out, five million is five million. It's it's not that hard to move, like you mentioned. And then also too, if Nick Richards happens to fall so low down the depth chart, not that I think that's going to happen. You know, him sitting at the end of the bench at five million dollars again is, is fine because you can yeah. still build. Uh, the roster around the other pieces because he's not taking up that much room. So I guess when it all comes down to that, it's it's really just a low risk move, even though I feel like the overlap with Mark Williams feels a little bit problematic at times. Yeah. Agreed. And it's not like you, you can't play those guys together or anything like that. You know what I mean? So, but I just, it is, as we've discussed plenty of times on this podcast, this team's inability to re-sign draft picks, like re-sign like, solid young players like maybe not stars but uh letting guys like Malik Monk go uh in who's now turning into a, a guy that could be player of the year you know or pardon me six man of the year 
a candidate, uh, trading uh, McDaniel's at the deadline for just really no, you know, inexplicably doing that. Yeah. It is also interesting too that like right, this, I mean, I think this speaks to several different things, including like the difference between uh, contracts, rookie contracts for second round picks versus first round picks, and uh, just and how many different ways like the Miles Bridges situation through uh, roster construction in flux for this team, but it is kind of wild that like. Cody Martin and Nick Richards both get extensions before PJ Washington does. I mean, like that's going to change. I mean, PJ's going to get his seems likely to get his big payday in a matter of months here. Um, and he's finished the season nicely for Charlotte, I think so, but it is interesting that both those guys have signed on for more money before a guy that's still on the roster and who was drafted <laughs> you know, before, before both of them. But, um, that's, that, that's, that's more of an anomaly than it is. Um, you know, I think of a sort of like a, a sign of how the team values PJ. You know, I just think that's the way this this thing was always gonna gonna break down. And I also wonder if PJ probably is is testing the market and trying to trust him a little bit more. For sure, Nick yeah. Richards is like, you know, I I can't pass this up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for them to be able to get some cost certainty on Richards is is uh is nice. Like it again, it is a, it's a it's a good piece to have going forward. Um. And uh, you know, it would have been fascinating to see if someone would have thrown more money at him in in the off season. But uh, again, for Charlotte to be able to lock in at this at what I think is like a, a pretty team friendly number, yeah, um, is uh, is worth uh, is worth is worth noting. I, can I read off just a couple quick Richards uh, statistics? Yep. Before we wrap, you can do this. Yep. Yeah. Here we go. Okay. So Richards this season in 213 minutes with Lamelo Ball. So not a huge sample. Again, only you know 213 minutes. Charlotte with a net rating of plus 7.4 points per 100 possessions uh, in those minutes. Charlotte scoring over 119 points per 100 and allowing under 112 per 100. So in a small sample with Richards and LaMelo on the court together, the Hornets were pretty good. But again, that, that's a little bit noisy because it's just 213 minutes. Um, Richards this season had uh, caught 10-plus assists from five different players, DSJ, Terry Rozier, P.J. Washington, Maldone, and LaMelo Ball. Dennis Smith Jr. assisted Richards 26 times this season, including 24 rim finishes. I think those guys, especially early on in the year before injuries, showed real nice chemistry with empty side pick and roll because that allowed uh, you know Richards to, to roll uh, without uh, certain types of help. And depending on how the screen was set, you know, DSJ could either get downhill into the middle or he could go baseline and throw the pocket pass back to Richards in the pocket, like in that middle s- spot on the floor. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with DSJ. I would uh, He's a guy that I would like for to be back for the Hornets if possible. And I think those guys would make an interesting, you know, pick and roll battery off the bench for Charlotte next season. Because again, I think there was nice chemistry between those two. Um, Richards this season shooting... 63% from the field, 68% at the rim. And again, 200, according to NBA.com, uh, their shot tracking, no surprise, but 241 of Richard's 277 field goal attempts came in within, within five feet of the rim this season. Again, he shot 68% on those. And then last number, uh, looking on the other side of the court defensively, I mentioned Richie, his block rate early earlier 
over 5% for the second season in a row, again, on way more playing time this year. But according to NBA.com's tracking data, when you look at their defensive impact numbers, which I don't like, I don't always love this stuff because it, it it's basing this off of this player being the closest defender to the person who's shooting the ball at the rim. And just like it, sometimes that can be hard to measure in charts. So like I, sometimes I, I, I like, I like using these numbers, but I realize that they, they can be imperfect, but Richard's defending 4.3 field goals per game at the rim and opponents shooting under 56% on those looks. Um, that was the best uh, among Charlotte players that defended at least four or more field goals at the rim per game this season. Plum, a, a group that included Plumley, Mark Williams, and PJ Washington. And yeah, all of those guys were a little bit above 60%. Uh, Williams at 60.6%. And yeah, Nick Richards, 55.9%. So there are some um, interesting numbers, I think, that speak to his development and why a guy like Richards is... You know, I think if you were... like. He's not obviously he's not the most improved player in the year, you know what I mean, in the NBA. But if you wrote down a list of twenty to twenty-five candidates, I think he'd be on that list. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. shout out to Nick Richards. Um, he had a, he's having a nice uh, third year in the league when he had to have it, um, and he's earned himself uh, a, a bit of a payday. And and I'm curious to see, depending on how things shake out this off season. I think there's a very good chance that you know he's in the uh, the rotation for the Hornets for the next couple of seasons. Yeah, I think he and DSJ are probably the the most supr- pleasantly surprising players on this roster and most improved player. Probably not going to get it, obviously. But yeah, he has to be in the conversation as an under the radar type of guy. So I think Brian and I are both in agreement here in terms of this, this just being like a reasonable move, uh, a move that is low risk. But we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Hornets have another game against the Mavericks on Sunday. They play the Thunder on Tuesday, and then on Friday they play the Bulls. And we plan on having a new episode released on Monday for our BuzzBeat Plus subscribers, and then on Tuesday for everyone else, I have an interview with Rod Boone of the Charlotte Observer. And if you want to get your hands on that, visit buzzbeat.substack.com. For Brian, I'm Richie. We'll talk to you guys later. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.